So last week I lost my voice. I was preaching here last Sunday morning and I noticed as the morning went along that my voice was getting more hoarse and more hoarse and more hoarse. And then uh, when the service ended and church was over, I went to go home and I got a text from my wife. She had already left and she said, hey, our kids have gone to friend's house today. Do you want to meet me somewhere for lunch? And I said, that sounds amazing. And so I went and met her at this restaurant. She was there already. I walk in and she says, hey, how you doing? And I went, and nothing came out. Absolutely nothing came out. I had no voice at all. And then the waiter comes over to take our order. And uh, again, I go, and so I'm pointing at the menu and my wife ends up, she gets in, she orders for me. And then he gives me this look like, does she always order for you? And I was like, back off. But I couldn't say that because I had no voice. What am I going to do? And then uh, we go home and our kids come back home and I literally couldn't get anything out except a whisper. I had zero voice. And so my kids came home and I was trying to rest and they come over and I was whispering to them like this. And I found out, maybe this is a little parenting hack that I found out, they started whispering back to me. Oh, dad, how are you doing? And I said, you don't have to whisper. Dad's just can't, doesn't. And then I thought, wait, I shouldn't say that. This is great. And then I thought, maybe I'm learning something. The way that your kids talk to you, maybe is a reflection of how you talk to them. And that's not the point today, but that was an interesting thing to learn. And we kind of went through that. And I, for two or three days, I had zero voice. All I could do was whisper. Couldn't say anything. And then I forget if it was Tuesday or Wednesday morning, I woke up and my kids were already awake and I finally had a little bit of voice. And so I walked out. They're already up. And I said, good morning. And my four-year-old daughter, she goes, she lights up. She says, Daddy, you can talk again. And they're both staring at me. And I realized this was a pregnant moment. This was one of those times I had a chance to say something very poignant, something very important, because how often does this happen? Parents, both of them are looking at me and they're paying attention. And so I took a quick beat. To, what do I do? Do I tell them, I love you guys. I'm proud of you guys. Uh, open your Bible to John chapter three. I don't know. And um, as I took just a beat, um, they moved on and went on to something else. Missed the moment. It was fine. But uh, I've been wondering the last few weeks, if God could speak to us this Christmas, what would he say? And actually, perhaps, uh, and I do think that God does want to speak to us, and perhaps that God wants to speak to you specifically today. In fact, in the very first chapter of the Bible, we hear God speak. Right from the get-go, uh, in Genesis chapter 1, it says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the face of the depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. This is, for ancient people, a poetic way of talking about the experience we all have, the experience of chaos in our lives. The depths, uh, or picture a dark, completely dark ocean, a place where no one could survive or no one could live, where you can't see anything at all. And here is the Spirit of God hovering over the depths or those waters of chaos, and then God speaks, and he says, let there be light. And the light goes on. It's God's creative will and intention being spoken into the world. It's just one step from chaos towards order, from death towards life, goodness, and flourishing. And the rest of that chapter is all about that order coming from disorder and God creating a place where humans can live and flourish. 
In the New Testament, we have four books of the Bible that talk about Jesus' life, the gospel stories. We've heard from some of those as we did the kids' reading. Uh, Matthew and Luke uh, talk about the story with Joseph and Mary and, and all the other characters that many of us are familiar with. Mark tells us nothing about Jesus' birth. And John goes a little bit philosophical. And when he does, he starts his gospel referring back to those words of Genesis 1 when God speaks for the very first time. He uses similar language, and he even brings up the idea of this word, God's creative act, speaking things into creation. He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He's speaking now of the word of God and Jesus. And he says, in him was life, and the life was the light of man, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Just as the Spirit of God hovered over the dark depths of chaos, he now says, just like that, God has always been speaking through his word. We now see his word in Jesus, this powerful moment. He says, in effect, that God is the God of beginnings, and now in the Christmas story, God is the God of new beginnings. My question for you today is, where in your life might you need a new beginning? could be a relationship that needs a new start. Maybe it's a direction for your life that you know needs to change and go in a different direction. Perhaps it's a renewed mental health or a different outlook or to recapture the purpose of your life. And perhaps it's a fresh start for your faith. The Christmas story reminds us that God is the God of beginnings and new beginnings. And I actually believe that in Jesus, the invitation is for us to come follow him and to find a new beginning in our life, a rebirth, perhaps a move from disorder to order, to find goodness and flourishing in our lives in the way that God wants us to have. You see, when God spoke and really wanted to be heard, when he really wanted us to know what his will is and what he's all about and even what his character is, he didn't simply write a letter or broadcast it on a podcast or a sermon, but instead the Christmas story says he showed up in person. He showed up in the person of Jesus. Now, if you want a new beginning, if you want to experience a new beginning, maybe something's resonated with you and you say, yeah, there's certainly an area of my life where I need a a new start. I need something to change drastically and to, to restart. Then you're going to have to deal with two things that are very difficult. The first is the past. The past is difficult because we can't change it. We have regrets. There's things we wish we could take back. There are things we wish other people hadn't said or hadn't done. Maybe there's parts of our story we wish weren't part of our story, and yet the past is already gone, and there's nothing that we can do about it. And that can be really hard. We get stuck up on that, and the past is gone. The other thing that's hard is the future. The future is hard because we can change it, but it's unknown. It's intimidating. Sometimes we don't know if we have the strength to go into a new future, to do things differently, and to know what that would even look like. On John's gospel, we get a little bit further down into his description of this word that is now seen in Jesus, this creative word of God that can transform our lives. And in verse 14, it says this, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
Now, this little phrase, and actually this whole verse, is actually referenced to another story in the Old Testament. It's the story of Moses. Moses, for many of us, is most famous as the guy who received the Ten Commandments and gave it to the people. But he was this great leader in the history of Israel. He led the people out of slavery in Egypt. He led them through the desert and towards the Promised Land. But Moses had this moment because he was, he was notoriously leading a people who uh, were stubborn, who didn't listen, uh, who complained over and over and over. They revolted, they rebelled, and they relapsed numerous times. And Moses came to a point where he realized that, that he couldn't do this on his own. And he actually goes to God and says, I'm not going to do this anymore. I can't lead these people unless I know that you're with me and that you're with us. In other words, I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't have it in me. I'm not encouraged enough, but I need to know, God, that you're with us. And God comes back to him and says, Moses, I'm with you. I'll lead you. And Moses kind of, they have this back and forth. And he says, I really need to know, God, that you're with us. I can't do this on my own. And God says, I'm going to be with you, Moses. And then Moses says something spectacular. He says, show me your glory. He says to God, show me what really makes you, you. Show me your true character, what will make you famous, what will give me confidence that I can follow with you in, in, in our lives and that this is going to be okay. I need that confidence builder. Show me your glory. Show me what makes you supernatural. Show, what makes you, show me what makes you truly good. And God says, Moses, my glory will overwhelm you. You, will not, you wouldn't be able to survive if you saw me face to face. You know, if you saw God straight up close and he said, but I'll show you my glory. I'm going to pass by you. And so in this story, Moses kind of gets hid in the cleft of the rock and God says, you'll be able to see me kind of from a distance from behind and I'll show you my glory. And this is the description. It says, the Lord passed before him, Moses, and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. When we read in John's gospel that the word came from the Father, full of grace and truth, it's a translation of that last word, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. When John says, we have now seen the glory of God, he's saying, we have now seen what Moses longed to see face to face but could only see from behind. We have seen God's glory. What makes God, God. What makes him supernatural. What makes him famous. We've seen his glory. We've seen everything we need to give us confidence to follow him in faith into the future that he has for us. John says, full of grace and truth. In Exodus, it says, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Steadfast love, or grace as John translates it, reminds us that everything we have in life is a gift. That truly the things that are most important to us, we cannot earn on our own. We must only receive them. Real true love. If we're to deal with our past, which is hard because we can't change it, we will need grace. We will need to lean into forgiveness for ourselves to receive it from God. We will need to lean into forgiveness and offer it to others if we're to move forward in our relationships and faithfulness. When we look at our future, when we wonder if we can do it on ourselves, where, when we're discouraged, when we have a lack of confidence, when we don't know if we can do it, or even where we're going when we need guidance, we're reminded that God is faithful. He says, and I will be with you, and I will always be with you. And wherever your path goes and leads, I will be there walking alongside of you. This is the glory of God that Moses longed to see that now we can see face to face in Jesus. 
the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. So what, what is it that God would say to us this Christmas? Perhaps, what is it that God wants to say to you this Christmas? Maybe it's something like this. God's word for our past might be, I forgive you. And you can forgive others. I believe in fresh starts. Restoration. God's word for our future might be, I am with you. You won't be alone. I will strengthen you. The world is full of new possibilities, and I want to bring you into that future, invite you to come follow me. And God's word to the world, in one word, is Jesus. How can we know? I really need to know. We see it in Jesus. Not just Jesus on Christmas when he's born, but the Jesus who taught us and showed us how to love each other, the Jesus who would lay his life down for the world that he loved, Jesus who would offer forgiveness for the sins of the world, who would die on the cross, but the one who death could not hold, and who would give us his spirit to walk alongside of us, no matter what it is that we will go through in this world. So into this world that still deals with darkness, strife, war, we put our hope in the light, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome us as we respond to the invitation to follow Jesus and there to receive grace and faithfulness. So as I've been wrestling with what it is that God would say to us if he spoke to us this Christmas, I think he has, and I think he might say, I forgive you. I am with you. I'm the God of beginnings and new beginnings. Let there be light. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for speaking to us uh, in the Bible, but not only in the Bible, we thank you for speaking to us ultimately through Jesus, who came to teach us what love looks like, to die for us, to forgive us, and to walk with us by his spirit. Today at Christmas, I pray that anyone who perhaps truly needs a new beginning uh, would have confidence that you are with them, that you love them, and that you are with them always. In Jesus' name, amen.